be going over the top 10 most polarizing fantasy players in 2023. In my opinion, these are the top 10 players that are going to be the most hard to deal with, the most polarizing, most controversial, you could say, the most widely varying in terms of rankings, the most guys where the experts just really just disagree, don't have the same opinion, can't figure out a consensus, have widely varying draft positions. I think all of these guys will fit that bill 100% heading into this year. And I'll give my takes on all of them at the moment. But yeah, I think these 10 that we're about to talk about on the episode are going to be the 10 players that you will be arguing about with your friends this summer. And throughout the spring, maybe if you're a really committed fantasy player, which you probably are, if you're listening to this fantasy podcast in late March, first of all, props to you because fantasy is not happening now except for dynasty. But I mean, I love doing this year round. I play in dynasty leagues too, just like you guys do. So if you're listening to this, congrats, you are a truly committed fantasy footballer and I'm glad to have you here. So be sure to follow me on Twitter at Calvin underscore SGF at SGF pod for the podcast. Second and goal fantasy at gmail.com. You can send your fantasy questions. It's a perfect time to send over some dynasty questions. Of course, we're getting back into dynasty mode with the draft coming up. Rookie drafts, all of that. Feel free to do that. We actually might shift to more of a dynasty focus starting next week with those rookie preview episodes that are coming up. But this is always a fun episode. The top 10 most polarizing fantasy players in 2023. This was an episode actually just peeling back the curtain a little that like, it wasn't really supposed to be a, this wasn't supposed to like be an episode week. Like we were just supposed to like jump straight into the rookies after this. But then when I was making the podcast schedule last off season, I was like, Oh, we have one week open. Let me think of a new idea. So I just like, was like, going to think of something random. Then this popped into my head and I was like, wait a second, this feels like a really important show. Why aren't we doing this? And so I did it last year and it was an important show. And it's important to talk about those guys who are going to be the most impactful. Like, I think it's one of the most impactful shows we have early in the off season. So kept it around. It's in the schedule slated right here in late March. And it's, it helps a lot because some of these guys are in new destinations. I'm going to count it up. Let's see how many guys switched destinations this or switched teams this off season. It looks like four out of the 10. That's a lot. We're going to talk about how those new destinations impact them for sure on this episode. So let's jump into it. First, at quarterback, I have one quarterback on this list. The quarterback 10 on Fantasy Pro's half PPR consensus rankings, which is what we're using for this, it's Deshaun Watson. And it's because Deshaun Watson's performances last year were a bit subpar. They were minimal. He was coming off of not a, a, a coming off of a long absence playing football. He actually just got a recent restructure in his contract, but of course, he was gone for a long time and now with Amari Cooper coming in, this actually could get really interesting, both with Amari Cooper uh, having come in last year and helping out Deshaun Watson a ton. Obviously, he was his main target, although Watson didn't end up doing much that was that crazy last year. It was Amari Cooper who was really supporting him. And then, of course, the news with the Browns acquisition, of course, um, at wide receiver, which why am I blanking on who they acquired at wide receiver? Um, I just had this in my head five seconds ago. Let's go check that. But for now, let's talk, keep talking about Deshaun Watson. He's We know how good he is, and we know how good he has been in fantasy. We remember when he broke into the league just a few years back. was an incredible acquisition for the Texans. Great dual threat QB. Ran the ball so much, and that provided him with a lot of his fantasy football rushing floor. 
And yes, it was Elijah Moore who the Browns acquired. I, I kind of mentioned last episode, I might have jinxed myself when I was like, wait a second, I didn't make a single mistake with any of the teams that these players are on. It's hard to remember all of them when they've all switched around. But this receiving core of Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and Elijah Moore will be interesting for Watson. And I think because of his rushing ability, he will step it up, have a full offseason to prepare. And I actually think Deshaun Watson will exceed that quarterback 10 draft position. That'll be my take for it as of now. I think he's a good value where he's ranked at the moment. At running back, the RB20 is going to be really controversial. Miles Sanders, he had a borderline RB1 season this year, but um, is joining the Panthers and may not have as many opportunities to run the ball while he's ahead in games. So we're going to find out how that goes. He's actually the RB22 and half PPR. My apologies. So I think they accidentally got these rankings in standards. So I'll fix that as we go along. But Sanders, we saw him most successful when he was scripted into running the ball. And the Eagles were winning a lot last year, like way more than usual. I think Miles Sanders, though, when teams are losing, ends up getting maybe not a ton of carries. He may get ended up scripted out of the offense. It depends if the Panthers will get him an increased workload or not. But he is kind of a boomer bust RB that's hard to stick with. So I probably fade Miles Sanders slightly at this price, but I don't mind it at the moment. RB20 is not too bad. It understands that his landing spot is not as ideal and he may not be quite as efficient as before. The RB19, he was actually ranked behind Sanders in standard, is DeAndre Swift. And with David Montgomery, we'll talk about them both together. DeAndre Swift and David Montgomery in Detroit. This is nebulous. DeAndre Swift struggled last year. Now Jamal Williams is with the Saints. um, But Swift, even when he came back, just didn't get a ton of work. I think we see him split carries pretty evenly with David Montgomery next year. Get some probably slightly more receptions. Or maybe Montgomery will actually get more carries between the tackles. But they'll split touches pretty evenly overall. I just probably liked Swift at this price. Obviously, someone may come out of this backfield committee and be really, really good. And I don't think Swift has lost his talent. I think there will be a time when DeAndre Swift gets utilized more and more, and that'll be next year. So I like Swift around RB19. I think that's a fair pricing. Montgomery, meanwhile, at the RB24, probably fair there as well. I still like Swift better than Montgomery slightly in half PPR. But, I mean, maybe David Montgomery is the slightly better value because we know he can catch the ball a little bit, and he's a pretty efficient runner inside. We saw Jamal Williams take over for Swift last year. Could easily happen again this year. And they brought in Montgomery for a reason. He's going to get some work. The RB32 on the rankings is James Cook, who I actually think is going to be a value at this spot. I know, yes, the Bills brought in Damian Harris. That is brutal to have a backfield committee between James Cook and Damian Harris. But Ramondre Stevenson was able to come out of it last year. And I think while James Cook didn't get a ton of touches, he showed enough flashes and he's the young guy in the rotation to where he will become the lead back next year. And we know how much opportunity this role presents in Buffalo. Nobody's really done it that much and had consistent like scoring opportunities out of the role. But if James Cook could get enough carries, I think he could go into nice RB2 levels. And Devin Singletary was putting up good production for the Bills for a lot of last year. I like James Cook at RB32 as a value. He'll probably be a guy I'm targeting in drafts. Same with Rashad Penny. He's sitting at the RB35. Guys, why is Rashad Penny at the RB35? He just, he's such a good RB and he just dropped into a great situation with the Eagles. Obviously, he's dealt with injury problems in the past and in many years, basically every year of his career. But when he's on the field, he's one of the most efficient RBs in football. Again, yeah, after week five, it was injured, missed time. But I still think at that spot, that's borderline handcuff spot. If he is healthy, he can be run behind Jason Kelsey in one of the best lines in football. He will be fantastic, and he is so physical between the tackles. If he stays on the field, he's an RB1 lock. It's just betting on the injuries, but I think he's slipped too far due to those injuries. I think he'll be great next year if he can stay on the field. 
at wide receiver, the wide receiver number 18 or 20, actually, excuse me, is Christian Watson. And I find this interesting and polarizing because it doesn't look like Aaron Rodgers is going to be a Packer next year. Will Jordan Love be able to support Christian Watson's wide receiver two status? Maybe. I think he will. I, I think Christian Watson is good enough, and he proved that this year to where he can break out. That was one of my best picks this year was the Christian Watson breakout train. And near the end of the year, he definitely did. I think he'll be a good spot here. I think maybe more likely than not, he actually does finish behind wide receiver 20, but the upside is there for such a young and talented receiver to be a wide receiver one that I understand this ranking. I'll probably be somewhere in the middle on Christian Watson, who I was very, very high on last year. Next receiver to talk about is where did he go? The, oh, he's down at wide receiver 34. That's not where I thought he was ranked. Jamison Williams, very, very interesting ranking here. But he, of course, is a second-year player coming off of the injury, came back late last year, will probably be the wide receiver two behind Amon Ross St. Brown. And he didn't really get much work at all last year. But I think this year is where that changes. I love Jamison Williams at this spot. I thought he was the best receiver in his draft class and coming into this year. And, of course, we saw guys from that draft class like Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave already break out. I think Jamison Wilson Williams is even better. He'll have to compete for targets, and I still think Amra St. Brown is the wide receiver one, but I think Williams gets up into wide receiver two territory this year. I really, really like him heading into the season as an uber-talented player. Then lastly, the wide receiver 36, Traylon Burks. Also like him as a value. He got banged up and dealt with injuries this year, but he was a first-round pick, and so far the Titans have not added anybody at receiver, and instead they lost Robert Woods. Traylon Burks is the only guy here. He was getting some work late in the season, just couldn't put it all together for an incredible game, but he had a good breakout in the middle of the year before his injury. We're going to see Traylon Burks continue to get those type of target numbers. Only one touchdown receiving. I think that goes up as well. I think Traylon Burks is a fantastic value in drafts right now and lastly this is a guy i'm probably gonna be a little middle on i'll probably be in the same spot that most people are at tight end the tight end five kyle pitts he's always polarizing nobody knows if he's gonna get targets who's it gonna be now desmond ritter taylor heineke somebody else don't really know but kyle pitts was only had two touchdowns and 356 receiving yards last year didn't play much got injured late in the year before that was just not very very productive at all i think arthur smith was so strangely averse to just getting Kyle Pitts involved in the fantasy passing game. I think we see it improve somewhat heading into next year, but at some point we may have to accept, obviously the third year tight end breakout is a thing. I think Kyle Pitts still has a lot of upside, but it's it, in, I might eat my words, but it's dimming because if Kyle Pitts isn't going to be utilized by his head coach the same way that we hoped he would be, I just don't think we're going to end up seeing Kyle Pitts be the tight end over one overall in fantasy for years to come. Like, like we thought he might be, he might've been a bust in some dynasty rookie drafts in terms of picks, which is kind of crazy to say, I think he'll still have a great career, but next year, as long as Arthur Smith is still around, I just don't have a ton of confidence in how Kyle Pitts will gain significant targets because that was brutal. You can call it brutal all you want, but I mean, it's what happened. And of course the Falcons weren't very good. And if Arthur Smith remains there, it seems like Kyle Pitts may struggle to get targets, especially if the quarterback play remains as it is. So that wraps up the episode for today. Thank you all for tuning in. This was a fun one. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Calvin underscore SGF at SGF pod for the podcast. Technical fantasy at gmail.com. You can send your fantasy questions there. Thank you all for tuning in. That was the top 10 most polarizing fantasy players in 2023. I will see you all next time.